Welcome to ISA's Our Reviews podcast, a series bringing you conversations with researchers and tree care experts about current issues in arboriculture. I'm Philip Van Wassener, your host on this episode of Our Reviews. I'm joined now by Alessio Fini. Alessio is a researcher at the Department of Agri-Food Production and Environmental Sciences at Florence University in Italy. Since 2005, he's been working on projects dealing with sustainable cultivation techniques for nursery production, and urban forestry and on stress tolerance of urban trees. Today we'll be talking about the carbon uptake and pollution removal of different shrub species. So hello Alessio, welcome to Toronto. It's a pleasure to have uh, more of our international colleagues coming to town and we thank you very much for joining us for this interview. It's a pleasure to be here with you Philip for the Arbor Views interviews. Excellent. So. Um, your topic is, is very interesting and I guess timely as we see atmospheric changes, climate change, global warming, whichever way you want to look at it, but um, certainly carbon is, is up for discussion. So how does the rising atmospheric carbon that we see um, affect the environment and specifically shrubs and trees? CO2 is rising very fast in the last century and CO2 is a powerful greenhouse gas. So it can just trap the long-wave radiation emitted by the Earth after the Earth's surface is exposed to solar uh, sunlight irradiance. So the long-wave radiation heat is trapped within the atmosphere by CO2, resulting in consistent warming of the air, of the soil, of the, of the water, of the ocean, Earth is going to warm. How much will warm the Earth? We don't know exactly. There are models and predictions for the next uh, 100 years that have shown that the increase in temperature can be up to uh, 2.5-3 degrees during the day and up to 4 degrees during the night. So the warming of the air and of the ocean is also changing the circulation of the main winds in the atmosphere. So uh, this has led to um, increased frequency, for example, of rainy events. Uh, in Europe, we are uh, looking, we, we have been stroken by storms as never before in our history. Storms and real hurricanes. So. The intensity of rainy event is increasing, but the frequency of rainy, rainy events is decreasing. So our climate is changing into a climate divided into long dry periods followed by floodings and in, uh, actually intense rainy event. So you've been looking at uh at how shrubs and trees uh, can take up carbon and, and remove pollution. How do you see, what do you see, what kind of differences do you see between, between trees and shrubs in, in that realm? So the direct mechanism leading to the transformation of atmospheric carbon into organic carbon is the same for trees and shrubs. They all do photosynthesis and they can both store uh, a lot of carbon. Of course, uh, trees uh, do assimilate and store more carbon because they are bigger. 
while shrubs, of course, contributes, but less. It has been calculated that within our urban green area, the um, contribute of shrubs to carbon assimilation is 25% uh, on average, and shrubs contribute up to 10% to total carbon storage of this green area. So the impact of trees is for sure greater. They can assimilate and store a lot more of carbon, but shrubs can contribute too. And it's very interesting to study shrubs because there is very little research on that. So, so that creates uh, some unique opportunities for your, for your research work. So when you're doing this work, um, you obviously have to select certain species to work with. with uh, can you tell us a little bit about which ones you chose and why you might have chosen those over other ones? Absolutely. We selected very widely used species. Uh, they included Arbutus unedo, Photinia perfraseri, Eleanus perebinge, Viburnum tinus, Viburnum lucidum, Ligustrum japonicum, and Laurus nobilis. These are species that are really widely used in the urban environment and can be used in free form. So without repeated pruning, uh, they can grow free and form hedges and barriers, which are very useful for pollution removal, for example, but also uh, as they become bigger, they will sequester a lot more of carbon. So why were these species, were these species selected? Because of their large use, because nothing is known about these species, and uh, because actually they can um, be grown free uh, and be very useful for the amelioration of air quality in our cities. Shrubs are particularly interesting because they can be planted very close to the source of the pollution, much closer than trees can be planted. And so they really can form a screen and as they grow dense and tall, they can intercept a really significant amount of pollutants and CO2. So. Uh, in your research then, did you notice, did you find differences between shrub species in their characteristics and perhaps in their ability to absorb and store carbon dioxide? Yeah, this is a very good question. Yeah, we found very deep differences uh, among species. Uh, as a general rule, there are some species which, are, which can grow very fast and assimilate and store a lot of carbon when resources are optimal. I mean, where there is no lack of nutrients, when moisture availability in the soil is very high. Mm, species as uh, Eleanus perebinge or Laurus nobilis were performing very well under this condition. If we had a lot of water in the soil, they grew very fast, uh, were the fastest growing species among those uh, evaluated and they were very effective under optimal moisture availability. Then, how it often happens, plants that grow fast when it's plentiful of resources uh, are those which suffer more when stress comes. That was the case, for example, of Eleanus. Uh, assimilation of Eleanus was dramatically reduced 
uh, when drought, when plants were exposed to drought. So if I can recommend species as Eleanus in moist site, uh, I have to recommend more drought tolerant uh, species as the Mediterranean ones, uh, Arbutus unedo and Vibur uh, nuntinus uh, for planting sites where drought is a problem. So species selection much depends on the planting site. We really have to know which are the characteristics of the planting site to have an idea uh, of which species can be better adapted to it. So I think you've just pretty much alluded to it, but my next question was going to be, you know, we do these arbor reviews because we're uh, speaking to our arborist uh, colleagues, and so I'm wondering if you, if you have thought about how this knowledge that you've been coming out of your research can be taken by arborists into their practical world. Yeah, <coughs> this research gives practical indication for plantings. Uh, in my work, I suggested some species very good for wet sites, moist sites, some other for dry sites. Uh, so arborists can use this information. But I don't want uh, that my um, work result in some kind of Eleanus monoculture. Mm. That's not the aim of the work. Uh, actually, we compared just seven species. A thousand species should be compared. I just wanted to show with my work that differences across species exist, and we really need to increase uh, the knowledge we have about the different performance of shrub species to uh, be prepared for planning uh, the city of the future. I mean, where every plant species has a specific role and has been selected because it's the better suited to uh, perform that role. So I guess, um, you know, of course, this is um, often the case with research. You've undertaking your research in Italy, your home country, and some of the species that are most used there. But um, we can, I guess, look at um, the differences that you found and, and other people can try and identify some of those trends or those gross characteristics in species that they're familiar with. And I think most importantly, what I heard from you is not necessarily only the shrub, but also understanding the site. And I think that comes back to a lot of work that we always do with trees is that it's not just the tree, but it's the site that you find it in. So, so I'm wondering, uh, in closing, do you have anything else to add from this research that, that you'd like to share with us that, that hasn't been covered in some of the questions that I've been asking already? Yeah, in this uh, research, we face the, the, the issue of CO2, but not only that one. Uh, pollution is another big problem that, CT, that men who live in the city have to face. Uh, in particular, in this experiment, we studied how shrub species could, could contribute to decrease uh, solid pollution. By solid pollution, I mean metals, which are produced by uh, power plants, vehicular traffic, and can be spread to a significant distance from the roads where they are produced. They can accumulate in the soil, they can go to the water table, and finally we all drink them, and that's not good. Then the other important pollutant is particulate, particulate matter, 
which is made by ions, organic carbon, pollens, spores, and all kind of uh, solid material with very small diameter. And particulate goes in our respiratory system, and the smaller the particles are, the deeper they go into uh, our respiratory system. So in this experiment, we also evaluated the uh, efficacy of our shrub species to intercept uh, solid pollutants in the air. And what we found out is that uh, the contribution of shrub species to uh, the amelioration of the quality of the air greatly depends on leaf anatomical characteristic. I mean that leaf with hairs, trichomes, uh, thick cuticles, scabrous surface are usually more effective than uh, leaves with smooth, thin cuticle, and so on. Uh, but leaf area of the plant is also very important. The bigger the plant it is, the better it acts as a screen. So it's also it's important to select species with appropriate anatomical leaf characteristics, but also with uh, a fast growth rate and longevity, so that it can really form a hedge that divide the source of pollution from the potential targets. Thank you. That was a really interesting other application, and it ties in with some of the other uh, interviews that we've been having. And just I can relate to that. Um, I've seen recently there's been some studies coming, I think, from, from Michigan, uh, from areas that have been affected by emerald ash borer and uh, places with significant cover of ash where they've all disappeared in a very short period of time. And the, the studies are indicating that the incidence of respiratory illness is, is increasing almost immediately after that. And I'm, I'm sure that that has something to do with this particulate matter. So maybe your research could be helpful for them. They should start planting some of your fast-growing, pollutant-absorbing shrubs in their towns. The best would be to put together trees and shrubs so to form a hedge which is multi-layered and uh, has no empty spaces because where there is the trunk of the trees, we can grow the shrubs so that really it's an e efficient barrier against the spread of pollutants. That's really interesting and I think, um, yes, we should also be, you know, I think this kind of knowledge could be very useful in the future as we're doing better planning with plants and shrubs in mind, uh, as you said, planning for, for uh, better solutions for human health in the future. So Alesso, this was really interesting and we thank you once again for, for coming to the interview today. Thank you very much, it was a pleasure. I really hope the information will be useful and used in the practice. Well, I'm sure you're going to put it out in publication so people can, can find more uh, if they care to and uh, enjoy your stay. Thank you.